probably there is not too many experiences that can be more devastating than being ambushed. And you know what I'm talking about. Family that seem to be doing well and everything is going fine. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, a spouse asks for divorce. Wow! A businessman who's been enjoying God's material blessings, financial blessings. And all of a sudden, wham! One deal threatened all that he had worked for. I'm talking about the person who had experienced victory. And within a very short period of time, there is a public defeat. Those are the kind of ambushes that I'm talking about. Where you find a person on his face like Joshua crying out to God saying, Why? Why is this happening? But really the question is more than just why. It's because often the Lord graciously points out things in our lives as to why. That we are not suffering unfairly or unjustly, but there are basically the consequences of things we've done or have not done. But the question is, am I willing to confront the reasons for failure? Am I willing to find the hidden facts inside of me? Why do I say this? Because often, We want to cover it up instead of exposing it to God's sunshine. We often try to hide it instead of allowing God to clean it up. And we often deny it instead of admitting it. It's funny because I was reading this week a story of denial and show you how ludicrous sometimes these things are. And this man gets drunk on a regular basis and he comes home drunk and he tries to come late so his wife doesn't see when he came in, and often when he gets drunk, he gets into brawls, and and he gets hit in the face, and so he comes home one night to bruises all over his face, and he creeps in slowly, didn't want his wife to hear him coming in, and and then he goes into the bathroom mirror, and he looks, and and he bandages uh, all all the bruises and all the bumps on his face, and and then he kind of slowly gets into bed, and he thinks, oh, I got away with it. She didn't wake up only to wake up in the morning, and his wife was looking at him. He said, you were drunk last night. No, I wasn't. She said, then who put all these Band-Aids on the bathroom window? (laughs) (laughs) And beloved, that's where you find the Israelites today in Joshua chapter 7. Because after a flush of victory, after the imperitable wall supernaturally collapses in front of them. After the plan of God was fully obeyed, after such unity like they've never experienced before and perhaps since, after all of that, wham, there is an ambush in a little town after they conquered the big one, little tiny town, by the name of Ai. Ai. And Joshua feels devastated. So he goes on his face before God and he says, why? You notice God said, hey, what are you doing praying? (laughs) Have you ever heard God say, hey, what are you doing praying? But isn't that also human nature? That as soon as we hit trouble in life, we always blame God first. Before we do anything else, start blaming God. While in reality, in this particular case, 
Defeat was the consequence of breaking the covenant. Defeat was the result of disobeying of the injunction of God. Defeat was the reason that because things are hidden right there in their midst. The reason for defeat was hidden sin. The reason for defeat was the breaking of God's command. And here is a very familiar scenario in the life of many Christians. When you need God's intervention in your life, when you need God's supernatural answers to prayer, when you're asking specifically for the Lord to do something because it is impossible any other way, you walk with God. You become a prayer giant. You become a prayer warrior. You confess sins that is displeasing to the Lord. You take care of it, and God in His mercy answers your prayer, and you are elated. You are ecstatic. You are excited at God answering prayer. You are so thankful to the Lord. You are full of gratitude. You are overjoyed for a short period of time. And then, slowly but surely, the euphoria of gratitude gets crowded with life's problems. The Slowly but surely, the thankfulness for God's past intervention becomes hazy in the background of new and fresh temptations in life. Prayers become sporadic. Time with God becomes telegraphic. And the blessings of God becomes our occupation. Until we experience a defeat. There's an ambush. And then we find ourselves like Joshua our faces on the floor saying, God, why? Why? I want to give you three stages for defeat and restoration as we see them here and indeed in the life of many Christians. I know that's the case in my life. And they are as follows. There's carelessness followed by calamity, then followed by closure. Carelessness probably the greatest problem with the 21st century Christians is that they underestimate the power of sin. The greatest problem of the Christians of the 21st century is they underestimate the power of sin. They say, I know what the Bible said about this or that or the other thing, that's sin, but it is different in my situation. After all, I'm saved. After all, it's all of grace, isn't it? After all, Christ died on the cross for my sins. After all, I have liberty in Christ. Using the right words to justify the burning of the conscience. But none of this can be used to justify or rationalize disobedience in the child of God's life. None of that can be an excuse for carelessness with sin. And that is why the Bible said that you must fulfill your salvation in fear and trembling. Beloved, worse than the sin of disobedience is the sin of presumption. Presuming on the grace of God, presuming on the mercy of God, presuming on the goodness of God. Let me give you some examples of how we rationalize disobedience in our lives. The Bible said the tithe belongs to the Lord, to the storehouse. But we explain it away 
by doing other things with it and say, oh, God doesn't need it. Sure, He doesn't. You need to give it. Or integrity, ethics, and, and behavior. They are our testimony to this dying world. This is our testimony to a sinful world. But we explain it away. We explain it away. Oh, this is just part of doing business. I was talking to a brilliant young man. He is the top of the top in his field. And he's been there for many years. But he hit the ceiling as far as promotion is concerned. And finally, somebody was honest enough to tell him the reason why. Because he would not lie. Isn't that amazing? The kind of world we live in today. Achan, the son of Carmi, heard God's injunction with his own ears. He heard the words, you must not take any of the spoils, for they belong to the Lord. But when nobody was looking, when nobody was there, when he was alone, he looked and he saw the gold and the silver and the imported clothes from Babylon. They're very expensive. And he said, nobody's watching. Nobody can see. So he coveted. He took and he hid. And he thought he could get away with it. (laughs) But here's the problem. Because sometimes when we are in disobedience and God does not react or does not send the consequences of that obedience immediately, it may even go for weeks or months or years, we begin to convince ourselves and that must be all right. God must not be all that displeased. And we think we can get away with it. Achan probably had fear in his heart. I've got to provide for my family. After all, I've got to store up some provision for the future. (laughs) I've got to take care of myself. Remember from the last message? When fear is up, faith is down. When faith is up, fear is down. He was at a moment of fear, gripped into his heart. And here Achan had forgotten God's supernatural provision of manna in the wilderness for 40 years. He had forgotten the incredible supernatural hand of God that crossed him over the river of impossibility. He had forgotten the supernatural intervention of God when the imperitable wall collapsed just by shouting. As if to say, oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, I know God did all that in the past, but will He do it in the future? Now, my beloved, let me tell you something. This is deadly thinking. If you think that God did things in the past, but He's not going to do them in the future, you are mistrusting the faithfulness of God. And this kind of deadly thinking leads, secondly, to calamity. Carelessness. Leads to calamity. Now, Achan's disobedience did not only bring disaster on him, but on the whole community. The entire army of Israel was defeated. You see, we often think that we can hoard and keep the tithe and, and offerings and, 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 and do other things with them. And as I said, we we'll say God doesn't need it. And we think, well, this is a personal matter. Well, listen to what Malachi said, chapter 3. God said that when you don't return to God what belongs to God, 
you are stealing from God. Now, I didn't say that. God said that. Robbing me, he said. And he said, how can man rob God? He said, you're robbing me by keeping your tithe and offering. But the truth is, to carry the Word of God to its logical conclusion, listen to me. There are some people who are driving to churches in stolen cars. (laughs) There are some people who are going to be eating stolen food and dressed in stolen clothes. And God is a patient God, and He'll be patient and patient and patient. But then, wham, the consequences catches up with us. And as we cry to God in the midst of our calamity, He says, I didn't do that. (laughs) You did that. Remember what my word said. Remember what my injunction said. Or take the person that is not spending time with God, the person who is not witnessing to the power of God in their life, to the salvation that they've received from the hand of God, and take that person who is absolutely so silent that people at work and school don't know if they're believers or not. They can go on like that for a while before the consequences of their disobedience. The consequences of carelessness where the sin of disobedience catches up with them. When God gave Israel the victory, and He took them across the river of impossibilities, when God gave them victory and the walls collapsed, God's desire for them was to go from one point of glory into another. God's desire for them not to get over the walls or destroy the walls and over the river and then get defeated in a little town. That was not God's desire for them. God's desire for them was for them to go from height to greater height, from mountaintop to greater mountaintop, to go from one level of experience with God to a greater level of experience with God. And beloved, God wants the same thing for you. He does. As you develop intimacy with Him, He wants you to touch someone's life, then another one, then another one, then another one, until you claim your school and you claim your workplace and you claim your neighborhood for Jesus Christ. But some allow the cares of this world. Some allow material possessions to blindside them as to their call in life until they find themselves on their faces with a full-blown calamity. Satan knows that if he can get you to become careless with sin, if he can get you to become careless in being disobedient, you're going to face calamity. And that calamity is not going to only impact you, but impact everybody around you. It's going to impact a lot of people. Your testimony will be tarnished. Your witness is going to cease. Your passion for Christ is going to cool off. And your love for others will be no more. And if Satan succeeds in getting you to become careless in sin, he knows that. He knows not only will you be impacted, but a whole lot of other people will suffer as well. And that is why... That is why it is vastly important to know the third step. The third step, closure. How do you bring this to a closure? How to bring that carelessness and the calamitous results to closure? 
You know, the man that we refer to as St. Augustine. When St. Augustine, and he tells that in his confession, when he was young, he used to pray this prayer. Oh God, give me chastity, but not yet. But not yet. Some of us may identify with young Augustine. You know that there is carelessness in your life. And that is the consequences of which you received some calamitous news. You know that carelessness with disobedience is keeping you from being effective witness for Jesus Christ. You know that it's hindering you from experiencing glorious things that God has for each of you. You know that it is keeping you from experiencing victorious living, which is God's desire for all of us. You know that others are not being affected by your life because of that carelessness. And through it all, you say, Lord, I want to repent of that. Lord, I want that to be extracted out of my life. Lord, I want to be fully obedient to you. But not yet. In many ways, listen to me carefully, please. In many ways, there is a little bit of aching in all of us, including your pastor. And that is why We must constantly, constantly purge the disobedience out of our life. When Achan was fingered out by God, he realized that by his disobedience, he broke the commands of God, that he betrayed the community, that he caused defeat on God's army. How? He said, I saw... I coveted, I took, and I hid. John later on tells us it's called the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Listen, I think Achan could have used psychobabble like we hear today. He could have said, well, Brother Michael, you don't understand. I was deprived as a child. You know, my parents didn't give me these things. Uh, Brother Mike, you don't understand. I have taken what I deserve. I have taken that which is due to me. Uh, Furthermore, uh, these are very small things in comparison to all these other spoils. What are they in comparison to the big stuff? Nobody's going to miss it. Nobody's going to miss it. I'm entitled to some pleasures in life. Am I not? I'm entitled to take care of myself and take care of my family. I've done a lot of good in my day. Can I get some good back, even if I help myself to it? (laughs) To his credit, he confessed. Sin must be confessed, it must be purged, it must be turned away from. And that is why in the book of Hosea, chapter 2, verse 15, said, one of the great verses in the Bible, the valley of Achor, that's named after Achan. The valley of Achor is the door of hope. So what does that mean, Michael? It means that the very valley in which sin was purged, the very valley where Achan's sin and the consequences of his sin were buried, become a door of hope. The very place where confession was purged 
is the very place of a new beginning, is the very place of a new hope in life, is the very place of a new ministry, is the very place of a new testimony, is the very place of new faithful you. Beloved, listen to me. You can be no more careless with sin than you would be careless with cancer. Disobedience is a cancer. It is a cancer in the life of the believer that is growing inside of you. Oh, you may dismiss its symptoms. You may ignore its pending consequences. But the truth is, there is only one way to deal with it. One way. And that is to purge it. And you purge it constantly and repeatedly. And then watch how God gives you victory. You see, A was eventually defeated by the Israelites, but only after disobedience and sin was purged. Don't wait until it becomes too late. Don't misinterpret the patience of God. Paul pleads with the Romans, do not misinterpret the patience of God in your life. Purge it today. Purge it today. You know what it is. Is it pride that is eating you alive? Is it bitterness that is corroding your soul? Is it unfaithfulness with what belongs to God? What is it? You know what it is. God's finger is pointing to it. And today you have an opportunity. Let this be the moment of decision, of purging. Whatever disobedience that you've been harboring in your life. Father, you are a mighty and great God. You are a God of grace and mercy and patience and perseverance. But Father, you do that in order to bring us to the point of confession and repentance and purging of sin. Father, we know that defeat is around the corner unless we turn to you, unless we repent. It might take time, but Lord, you showed us over and over through your word that calamity follows carelessness. But we thank you for the opportunity that we can come to closure today. Receive from you that which cost you your son, but then give back to you that which could cost us everything, disobedience and sin. Father, we thank you that Whenever there is a revival, it always began with restitution. It always began with confession and purging and repentance. May there will be restitutions made in this place. And so that we would experience the power of awakening. Father, we know that this life is short, regardless of how many years we live and that we're going to meet you face to face. Let that be our motivation for living. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.